0: 1460 KXNO's Thirsty Thursday continues now as we head north to Whiskey River and Ankeny for the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show, powered by Mechdyne. Now, here are your hosts, Jared Stansberry, Brent Bloom, and Chris Williams. No Chris Williams, no Brent Bloom tonight on the Cyclone Fanatic
1: Radio Show, powered by Mechdyne. But the first edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show of 2020. Welcome in, my friend, Kevin Fitzpatrick. What's up, brother? Not a whole lot. So trying to, trying it's, to get over a loss. It's weird for me to call you that. Uh, yeah. That's like your professional name. Yeah. We're on the radio. We got to be professionals.
2: I typically go by Fitzy around these parts, but not, not on the radio. I was going to say,
1: from now on, you will only be Fitzy. Everybody knows who you are, and, and I'm just going to go back to calling you Fitzy now. Sounds good. All right. We got to thank our friends at Mechdyne, who will be the presenting sponsors of the Cyclone Fanatic radio show again here in 2020, the powering sponsors here on, on 1460 KXNO, and then Uh, Once again, they'll be joined by Carl Chevrolet. If you're looking to buy a newer pre-owned vehicle, you can find Carl Chevrolet off exit 90 at The Rock in Ankeny. Carl Chevrolet Stewart, carlchevrolet.com, carlchevroletstewart.com. I've been all over carlchevrolet.com here the last week or so in considering buying a truck. And you know that I'm going to be going to Carl Chevrolet to get that done. Which model are you considering, Jared? Uh, I've been thinking about the Chevy Colorado.
2: Very nice. The smaller model?
1: Yeah, a little smaller model. I don't need, like, a big... No. Silverado. Or you don't need to like, show off anything? No, I, I have nothing to compensate for. <laughs> so, like, so I can go good. for the smaller truck. I, and, and you know that uh, I know that that'll be able to get me around. So, um, yeah, you mentioned it before. Not exactly going to be the most cheery edition of the Cyclone Fanatic radio show. Uh, football ended with a resounding thud in a 33 9 to 9 loss to Notre Dame in the Camping World Bowl. I don't know how much we're going to get to that. It's been. How long has it been? Five days? Man, it doesn't seem like it's only been five
2: days. It feels like it's been weeks since football ended, and I think it's just because of what happened in basketball. Yeah, I was,
1: I was sitting here thinking it's, uh, it's been two weeks since football got over. Nobody wants to think about anymore, that anymore, but it's only been five days. We might touch on that later on in the show, but I do think that the more pressing thing right now for us is Iowa State basketball coming off of a 70-68 to 68 loss, a historic loss at Hilton Coliseum to the Florida A&M Rattlers on New Year's Eve. Uh, just about 48 hours ago, and now they are less than 40, or exactly 48 hours, I guess. No, about 47 hours away from opening Big 12 play on Saturday in Fort Worth, Texas, against the TCU Horned Frogs. TCU, not exactly a team that I think will compete to be at the top of the league, but still a, a one that should, I think will certainly be a challenge for Iowa State when you consider the fact that they lost just to Florida A&M in their, their last game, mm-hmm. and... You know, you and I were texting earlier today. I think that there's a, a couple different ways that we can go, can approach this conversation. Uh, I think that there's a purely basketball conversation that there is that to be had that, you know, can make an impact kind of on the way that the season goes moving forward. Mm-hmm. I think that there's some overarching things that we can talk about as well uh, that maybe... You know, have spanned not just this season, but I think even back to to last year. I think you could look at it to two years ago as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that that's where we should start if that's fine with you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you kind of said that you want to go on a rant here. I'll be your therapist for the night.
1: Well, I kind of got to get on a roll, but uh, you know, I think the the first thing for me is it's just this season. We came into this year knowing that Iowa State was going to have to play a particular way for them to really be able to max out their potential. And that was largely going to be on the defensive end. It was going to be in your your ability to rebound the basketball, you know, a, a mentality that you were going to grind out teams just because of the – it didn't seem like the talent was quite there for them to outscore teams. Mm. The way they did last year when you had three guys who are going to be playing in the NBA. You know, you've got uh, other guys who – um, are playing professionally overseas and, and are going to have great success in their in their professional careers, but you know we've we've gotten to 12 games into this season, gotten through the non-conference portion of the schedule, and there's only been really a handful of games that I think you can really say we've been able to see that the the grinded out mentality, the we're going to be better than you on the defensive end, we're going to play harder than you every single minute of every game. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've talked about that a lot, but I think that this game against Florida A&M, even when you don't have Tyrese Halliburton, I mean, this is this is a perfect example of that because I don't care whether you've got your best player or not. There's no excuse for a Big 12 team to go and lose to a MEAC team that's one and nine.
2: Absolutely, and I mean, it's kind of it's the situation where they're still trying to play offensive-oriented basketball, where the roster is not built to play that way.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's one of the problems, um, and that's where I've got some you know there's there's a thing that has just kind of been sitting on the back of my mind and I don't know I don't know what the way to fix it is I don't think it's it's the fault of any one particular person I think that you can I think there's a duality of faults when you you look at it you know whether it's a a coaching thing or it's a playing thing or it's anything like that and I think that they've kind of fed into each other and you know I think the best example of that is and this is Nothing against Prentice Nixon as a person or anything like that. I think that Prentice is a great kid, um, and I think that he plays really hard for the most part, but he's shooting 26% for mm-hmm. the season from the three-point line, and when I looked at the game, so full disclosure, I did not watch the game live. I had Tuesday night off. I hadn't had a day off in quite a while. Uh, Chris gave me the night off, and uh, and, and I only knew that they were losing the game because I looked at Twitter and then I listened to the end of it on the radio, listened to the godfather, Don Walters and Eric Heft. And the to see the statistics and know that he was 2 of 8 from the field and 7 of those shots came from 3-point uh, range, mm-hmm. You know he's 26% from 3-point range now with 65 shots. And I think that we've gotten to a point, I think we've been at a point already where, and you and I had talked about this, Already about Prentice, his, his shot selection at times, and it's and it's not just Prentice. I don't want people to think that I'm like uh, blaming yeah. this on. Prentice. he's just an easy example. It's, it, this is just the best example in my mind where they are taking some poor shots offensively, and and it's not like it just happens once or twice. No, this is happening over and over and over and over and over again, and there there has to come a point in my mind where there's like it's like okay. Don't shoot the ball anymore, you know, <laughs> yeah. and you don't want to say that to people. I know that Steve Prohm wants his players to play with freedom and all those kinds of things. But it's like, that's where we know we have to play this certain way. We've talked about that. We come to the media and we talk about we know we've got to play this way. We know we've got to play this way. We talked about that all off season, mm-hmm. And then you don't see it. OK, well, then we don't see it. But then you continue to come and talk about it. OK, that's fine. And then you continue to not see it. That's where it's like there has to come a moment where it's like everybody looks themselves in the mirror and they're like, Man, the way that we're doing things right now is not working. Yeah. And and that's where I feel like that thing came to a head in this game where it's like it's like, Man, if y'all if y'all can't see that the way you're playing right now is not working, what more can you what more do you need to to understand that? Yeah.
2: And the question that kinda of brings itself up when you say that is that does it fall on Coach Prome to kind of point out to the Prentice that he shouldn't be taking these shots? Or should Prentice know, as a Division One basketball player, who is a senior, by the way, that he shouldn't be taking all these shots if he's missing so many? Like, which which is it, or is it both? See, and that's
1: where, and that's where when I say that there's probably some duality to it, is mm-hmm. that the and, the... and again, it's not just Prentice, because I think that you can look at what Mike Jacobson and Solomon Young did in their combined box score from this game, where I think they had six points and four rebounds in 40 minutes, and yeah, okay, they only each only played I think 19 minutes apiece. But there's no way that those two guys should combine for only four rebounds against Florida A&M. And and when yeah. and when the Rattlers get 11 offensive rebounds on
2: 25 misses, you're in a you're in a bad spot, especially when you're playing big a lot of the time.
1: Ex- ex- exactly. Like there's and that we'll come back to that because I think that that's part of the the just basketball on court centric things uh that that it really comes back to, but there's like I think that there's there's fault on both sides and I think that that's where you know I, I I kind of thought of just some different things in my mind of like why this could be that this has happened one of them is you know when it's when it's on the coaching and that's where it's kind of on Steve Prohm to to look his senior in the eye and say like hey man what you're doing is not working and like mm-hmm. you've got to do better with it and that's where it's like you give somebody else a shot or something like that where it's like when you see Prentice make that mistake it's like okay you got one. Mm-hmm. Do it again. Then you're coming and sitting next to me. Yeah. And then if he does it again, he comes and sits next to you, and it's like, all right, do you get it? Yeah. If you don't get it,
2: you're not going back in. And let's let's give Steve, Steve Prohm the benefit of the doubt here and say that he has said that already. Yeah, yeah, So then the question becomes, is Prentice ignoring him, or is Prentice not realizing it? You know, that kind of thing.
1: And obviously I don't – I don't, haven't asked Prentice, hey, yeah. does Coach Prom tell you not to shoot the ball? Mm-hmm. Because I – for one, I don't think that he probably does that, you mm-hmm. know. But two, that I don't imagine Prentice being a kid that's just like, I'm not going to listen to my coach, yeah. you know. And that that's where I, I don't know what the, the way to, to fix that is. And I think that this is – and when I say that, I think this is something that has stemmed across multiple seasons. I think you saw this at times manifest last year where we talked a lot about how it was like sometimes it just seems like these guys go rogue, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like not everybody – it's like one or two different guys, they've got their own little, like they're living in their own little world, doing their own little thing, and it would work to the detriment of the team. Mm. And that's where it's like this year, it's like it comes down to one person stepping up and saying, Hey, knock that off. Yeah. Stop doing that. And, you know, it's, should it be on the coach? Some level of it should. I think that this is where the other side of it is. It's like there needs to be a player that can step up and do that. This team mm-hmm. really misses a guy like Melvin Edgem, yeah. where Melvin would step up and say, we're not doing it like this Mm -hmm. this needs to change you know and uh that was one of the things that made melvin as great as he was was that he was that kind of guy that could step up and and kick someone in the butt and uh and would would get in your face and tell you this isn't how we're going to do things Mm -hmm. and i don't know that there is a guy on this team that really fills that void and and that's where it's just like there's something missing in this in the you know i'm posted on the forums there's something missing in the sense of accountability of like of doing the right thing every single time and someone being there to be the kind of be the police of that, yeah. you know, the, and, and it's, like I said, it's not any one person. I think this is a whole thing that like you can look at across the entire board. And, and I think that you can see it again on, on the defensive end too, the rebounding, the times where you see guys get blown by, you know, and, and because they're not in good position or they're not, uh, You know, they're just—it's like they kind of just fall asleep a little bit, and they're back on their heels, and all of a sudden, a guy—a guy is past them, and you put somebody else in a bad situation. And I don't know. Like I said, I think it's everybody, Mm -hmm. but it comes to where this kind of thing should be the slap in the face for someone to be like, okay, we've got to look ourselves in the mirror and take a step back and be like, maybe we're not as good as we think we are.
2: Yeah. And so what we were texting about earlier today, too, is you think this might stem back to the last few years as well and not just be an issue this year.
1: No, and, I, and that's where it's like it's become like a – and I don't know. Like I, yeah. I don't know. That's You're not just, saying that's, this with any no, certainty. No, and I'm not sure. saying
2: that. That is from what I
1: see, what I have seen on the floor from this team so far this season. I see that. I see a lack of accountability to doing things – Exactly right. A, a lack of accountability to the details, as mm-hmm. as Matt Campbell would say, a lack of co- accountability to execution. I think where it's it's like a discipline thing, and it's like being disciplined enough to like always do things correctly. Yeah. And and I don't know. It, it's so hard to to fix that, and it's not something that you can just fix overnight. Mm-hmm. You know, but but it can be something that if you're aware of it, you can. Everybody can really zero in on this. It's like, we have to do better in this area. We have to do better in this area. We have to really focus on this. And that's where I say, you can make all of the basketball changes that you want to until you've got everybody on the same page of, like, this is what we're going to do. Then you're probably not going to have that much success, especially against a league as tough as the Big 12.
2: So do you think, what what would be your first step if you were going to try to fix Iowa State's issues? What would be the first thing that you would try to do? I don't know. Yeah. I really I really don't but
1: that's why I'm not a yeah. college basketball coach yeah. at the same time. You know like I don't know And again, we have I, and to, I, and I, and I'm not saying like I'm not trying to I'm again, I'm not trying to say it's any one particular person. I'm not saying it's anybody in particular's fault. This is a thing that I have just observed over the entire season of there's they they're not
2: like one unit.
1: Yeah, they're not one unit. They're not all focused on one on one thing of being this one thing of being a team that is going to uh, that's going to achieve the peaks that it possibly can. Because I still think that there's talent on this team. I think that there is the there are the guys on the roster that if they commit to playing the way that they want to, yeah, that they can have success. Mm-hmm. But we've been saying that for the entire season,
2: you know, and. Again, is, it,
1: these none of these issues are new.
2: Yeah. It, again, it, I think a lot of it boils down to they have talent, but it's it's defensive oriented talent. So th- you, when you pile the basketball misfit on top of the what might be a little bit of a culture issue, then it becomes a big problem.
1: Yeah, and I, and like I'm not saying that people hate each other. It's like there's like a toxic culture or anything along those lines. It's just like this is one of those things where Iowa State has been one way for a long time. Where they've played a certain way in order to win games, where it's the free flowing and getting up shots and playing really fast, and that's that's ha- led to a lot of success. but this team right now does not fit that mold mm-hmm. and and it's almost like they have uh they have not been able to adjust to that yet, and I mean once they do, I think that like I've, I've said before, I think this team can be good, mm-hmm. but if they don't. It's going to continue to end up in nights like this, and it, and it takes a commitment from everybody inside the program to being like, this is what we're going to do, and if we're not doing it right, then I'm going to be the one that steps up and says something about it.
2: Yeah, and I think you know you kind of expect Tyrese might be that guy a little bit just because he is the most talented player on the roster. And even though he's a sophomore, I mean, he was on the team last year. He got the most playing time of really one besides maybe Michael Jacobson returning. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you kind of think about, you know, who's going to step up and get in a guy's face. You would hope it would be Tyrese. But at the same time, he's such a happy-go-lucky kind of personality that maybe that's not exactly the best thing for him.
1: Yeah, for sure. And that, he just doesn't seem like that guy that's going to get, you know, get angry at
2: someone. And and it's like, I'd rather fight you than yeah. let watch you take our team down. Tyrese seems like the kind of guy who'd just be like, hey... You know, patch you on the back. You did it wrong, but maybe do it this way next time. Yeah. Whereas this team needs more of an in your face kind of jolt. Right. And there's, there just needs to
1: be more of a, uh, like a, it's like they want to be tough and they want to be this hard edge team, but they've got a bunch of nice guys. Yeah. You know, and it's like you can be a nice guy off the court, but you don't have to be a nice guy on the court. And yeah. that's where when I've talked about George Condit in the past, the playing the villain type role, mm. the, the Joel Embiid, the guy who he doesn't care if every single person in the gym hates him and that 's the kind of edge that this team needs. They need that guy that 's like that is is not afraid to get into somebody 's face yeah. and is not afraid to uh, you know if a hard foul is necessary or something like that like mm. to to do it and it 's just like and to send a message of like this is our lane, this is our type of thing and i 'm not saying hurt people yeah but it 's like it 's a mentality that 's what it is to if you want to play that way that you 're going to be a defensive team if you want to play that way that you are going to be uh, a, a gritty, hard-nosed basketball team, that is a mentality. That's not a, a switch that you flip on and off, regardless of whether or not it's Florida A&M or TCU or Kansas or whoever it is that you're playing against. That is, You go to practice every single day with the idea in your mind, if that guy score, that guy across from me scores on me, I'm going to be mad. I'm not going to let him score on me. I'm going to do everything that I possibly can to prevent that. And that's the mentality that this team needs right now because they just don't have the talent on the offensive end, or at least they have not shown the ability on the offensive end yet at this point to do anything or to have success playing any other way than that.
2: Yeah, and I think as far as seniority goes, I think Prentice Nixon has that bulldog mentality, or at least he could. But, again, he doesn't necessarily have the respect of you know, playing that grade of basketball right now where he, he really commands the attention of his teammates. Yeah,
1: and, and like think about the guy that he played for before. Mm. I mean, it's not like Prentice doesn't know what it's like to play hard-nosed basketball. You know, I mean, he played for Larry yeah. that That's exactly what Larry Eustachie was. He was a guy that, I mean, he'd fight you. Like, exactly. If, I think Larry would fight someone. Mm-hmm. If it w- if it came down to whether or not you were going to try and score the ball on him, yep, and and that's what I want to see from this team, and, and we haven't seen it. When you lose a game like this at home, this is the perfect example. You don't have that in you, and I know Virginia. Like they lost to UNBC, and like, but this is like this is what Michigan State has every year. Michigan State, you know, when you come in to play against Michigan State, it's going to be a fist fight. Mm-hmm. You know, every year when you come in to play against Virginia, it's going to be a fist fight. And Iowa State has to get into more fights than they than they're used to than than they have in the past. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's and, and it's going to come down to to some guys like making a decision like this is what it's going to be and this is how
2: we're going to do it. And until they do, then
1: it it could be a tough sled.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um. So, as, as, going back to that that game on Tuesday, do you think that there needs to be a lineup change going forward as far as uh, the guys down low? Um. You know, Mike Jacobson, Solomon Young versus George Condit. We can talk about that after a quick break.
0: Sounds good. And then,
1: uh, and, Yeah, and then we'll dive into that. We'll be back. Cyclone Fanatic radio show powered by Mechdyne on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.
0: Hey, guys. It's Chris Williams saying thank you to Mechdyne. Who is Mechdyne? I was asking the same thing just a couple of months ago, and then I met some people who work for this fantastic company that is based out of Marshalltown. It was started by Iowa State graduates who are now hardcore Cyclone fanatics over 22 years ago. Mechdyne is not only the premier audiovisual and IT service provider in central Iowa, but also around the globe doing business in six of seven continents. They'll bring that global expertise along with local support to help you implement AV technology for conference rooms, classrooms, auditoriums, sports venues, or really just about anywhere you want technology that actually works the way you want it to. So check them out today at mechdyne.com. That's M-E-C-H-D-Y-N-E.com. com. Hey, fanatics! It's Chris Williams here, wanting to tell you about my friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart. Did you know they moved into that new location? It's located at 156 in Hickman, still in Clive. What does this mean for you? Well, there's a beautiful new showroom. It's got all of your appliances, your audio and video needs, flooring needs, top of the line appliances. I actually, my wife and I, bought a couple of those LG washer and dryers from there. We love them flooring they did our floor lowest price in town guaranteed they've doubled their warehouse capacity that means more in-stock items than ever come out and see the store in clive meet with their highly trained and friendly sales staff whether you're updating your current home building a new one nebraska furniture mart has what you're looking for head on out see my friends at nebraska furniture mart and clive you'll be very happy that you did Hi Cyclone fans, this is Dr. Brian Warney, board certified and sports fellowship trained orthopedic sports medicine physician and surgeon at McFarland Clinic in Ames. As an official team physician for the Iowa State Cyclones, I really enjoy the opportunity to work with athletes here in my hometown. My colleagues, Dr. Buck, Dr. Greenwald, and I provide specialized orthopedic care to patients of all levels, including sports injury evaluation and treatment, arthroscopy surgery, stem cells, and PRP treatment. Don't let your injury keep you out of your Your game. Learn more at McFarlandSportsMedicine.com. Go, Cyclones. Cyclone Fanatics, the job world, is a competitive place, and at all times you need to dress for success. This is exactly why you should stop into Mr. B Clothing down at 1995 Northwest 86th Street in Clive and see my buddy Tim Sitzman. Now, Mr. B Clothing is a longtime supporter of CycloneFanatic.com, but is also unmatched when it comes to the men's clothing game in Des Moines. The Mr. B staff is friendly, fun, they're very knowledgeable, and trust me, these guys will get you looking good for that next job interview, wedding, or just your everyday wardrobe. When you stop into Mr. B clothing, be sure to tell them thank you for supporting CycloneFanatic.com. Hey guys, it's Williams here for Des Moines Eye Care and Ames Eye Care. I care for the entire family, conveniently located throughout Central Iowa. I've been up to Ames Eye Care a couple of times now. I see Dr. Kruger. You've all heard me tell you about how he looked at me for like 30 minutes. Actually, it didn't even take that long. And he's like, dude, I know why you're having headaches. It's because you stare at your computer for 15 hours a day. Wear these glasses. It'll help. And it has. It actually, it's completely changed my life. Now, I'm a dad, got a four year old. She's got some eye problems herself, and you know where I'm going to take her? Yeah, that's right. Ames Eye Care, Des Moines Eye Care, Family Eye Care. They can help you guys too. Check them out today. Des Moines Eye Care.com, AmesEyeCare.com, and tell them Cyclone Fanatic sent you.
1: For the second straight year, Whiskey River, located in Ankeny's Prairie Trail District, is the home of the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show for the Iowa State Athletic Season. Whether it's a Saturday night out with the bros or lunch with the family, Whiskey River and Ankeny's great food, drinks, and friendly service makes it the perfect spot for any occasion. Whiskey River's wall-to-wall TVs make it the perfect place to watch football, baseball, and every sport in between. Plus, you can always join the Cyclone Fanatics staff to talk cyclone sports on Thursday nights from 6 to 7 at Whiskey River in Ankeny. It's not whether you win or lose. It's whether you serve pork at your tailgating party. Hi, I'm Dave Struthers, and I'm here to remind you that Iowa pig farmers like me work hard year-round so you have safe, wholesome pork for the football season. Whether it's pulled pork sandwiches, ribs, or chops, nothing says tailgating better than pork. This message brought to you by Iowa pork producers through the Pork Checkoff. Make your tailgating delicious. Learn more at iowapork.org. Welcome back to the Cyclone Fanatic Radio Show, powered by Metdine, on Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO. Jared Stansburg, Kevin Fitzpatrick, talking about Iowa State hoops here on the program. So you asked before the break mm-hmm. about Iowa State's use of their bigs. Use of their bigs, um, and this is something that I think is a kind of a tough. Puzzle to put together a little bit mm-hmm. uh, because you've got Mike Jacobson and Solomon Young we talked about a little bit in that first segment just the struggles that they had in that, that game against Florida a and I mean obviously the easy solution would be to replace one of them with George
2: Condit mm-hmm.
1: the reality remains the same that you've got two bigs on the floor
2: yeah I think Iowa State has the unfortunate problem of having three pretty good fives and one of them technically has to play the four at times and that happens to be Mike Jacobson. He's been struggling there.
1: Yeah. So that's where I I understand the like the idea. It's like, okay, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna put George in the starting lineup. I've been lobbying that for quite a while. George deserves to play more minutes in my mind. I think he's been the second best player on this team so far this season. At the same time, I don't know how much that really fixes the problems that Iowa State has had
2: mm-hmm. this
1: year. You've still got the two bigs, that offensively, you know, what's the impact? What's the difference going to be? Yeah. You're, you're going to have a hard time spacing the floor unless one of those guys is going to be able to shoot the ball from three, which Solomon has not shown an ability to do, and, and Mike has been inconsistent at best mm-hmm. in doing. Uh, and I don't, I don't think we've ever seen George shoot a three-pointer. Nope. So that's where it's like, what? Okay, then if you're going to make that move, I feel like you have to make another counter- Mm-hmm. counter move as well is like it can't just be the one it's got to be one move and then another one to get away from the two bigs thing uh, because i think you're kind of locked into the situation at this point mm-hmm. and then if it's like if, okay you're gonna make another move well what's your other move yeah who, who do you replace the other one with
2: i mean you saw terrence lewis make a spot start for halliburton but i don't think he's the long-term answer at the four no i don't think he's gonna be much better at guarding than jacobson would be
1: no i mean i think that the Best case scenario would be for Zion Griffin to probably fill that role, mm. but I mean Zion has been inconsistent, too, yeah, I mean, we've seen some flashes of what he can do, but at the same time, I think he looks timid offensively sometimes mm-hmm. uh, I don't know how much of a difference he would make defensively yeah and and that's what i'm saying like there's i don't think there's an easy fix there. It's like, okay, we can say, yeah, let's put George into the starting lineup, fine, but then what. What does that change at the end of the day? Because you're still kind of in the same hole that you were to begin with. Yeah. Like I said, I think George should be starting. Should he? I feel like he probably should replace Mike because of the way that Mike has played so far this season. But then it comes down to like, does Mike moving to the bench does that make a difference? Then when you make him, you're replacing him, or you're like making him hit the guy that replaces George.
2: Mm.
1: Does getting him back at the five make a big difference? someone else is gonna have to play more minutes than what we've seen from them seen them play so far this year. There's just no other choice. Yeah. There there's no other options. And like that's what I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what the the fix is. Because I don't think I don't see that making a huge difference on the offensive end specifically. You do get your rim protector in there from the very beginning of the game. You get that guy who brings a lot of energy to the floor from the very beginning of the game.
2: But I don't know. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a hard time spacing the floor. If Iowa State was deeper in their guard court, then I feel like you could just go to a straight three-man rotation at the five and just play the hot hand at like you know the given night, play Condit, Jacobson, whoever, at the five. But the fact is, Iowa State is stuck playing one freshman, maybe two, um, in Jackson and Grill in the guard court, and they don't appear to be ready yet for Big 12 basketball.
1: Like I said, best-case scenario for you is, is that Zion Griffin would be ready ready to step in and fill those shoes. Yeah. I don't know that if it's that we haven't seen him get enough time or if it's that he's not comfortable enough or what it is, but I mean we just haven't seen much production for him that, yeah. from him that's any different than what you see from them anyway. Mm-hmm. At this point, okay, if your goal is to be able to space the floor with four perimeter players, if I'm an opposing team, I'm not going to guard Zion. Mm-hmm. I'd say, Zion, you stand out there and hit two, and then we'll go and guard you. Mm-hmm. Until then, I probably wouldn't, you know. I'd probably let Mike stand out there and shoot at this point until he hits two. Mm-hmm. I'd let Solo stand out there and shoot until he hits two. Yep, They're going to have a problem this entire season with being able to space the floor mm-hmm. offensively. Teams are not going to respect them from, respect their shooting from deep unless something drastically changes in the next couple games.
2: The one obvious thing I do like about the thought of having Condon in it at the beginning is I think he and Halliburton are by far the best pick and roll duo on the team. So, I mean, as long as you kind of space out the rest of the guys, whoever they may be, the rest on the floor, and just kind of let them go to work, that could be something that Iowa State looks to do going forward. See, and that's what I would do too, but then, again, it comes back to the fact that teams are going to continue to pack the paint. Yeah. So,
1: you get Tyrese going downhill into the paint, well, you've got all these guys shooters in theory that are standing around out at the three point line but if the defense doesn't respect them as shooters in any way then why would anybody ever go and close out on them? Mm-hmm. they won't yep. you know and that's where you end up with it's going to come down to Prentice to knocking down shot uh, knocking down three pointers he's been at his best when he's shooting rhythm shots yeah. not just the ball rotates one time and then he shoots it yeah it's it's been when you know the their kickouts and things like that but Razier Bolton's going to have to be able to knock down shots. You yep. need Prentice to knock down shots. Uh, and and you need whoever is going to play that other spot to be capable of knocking down shots. And if you don't, like I said, you're, like there's no easy fix. It's like you bring George Condit in and let's run the pick and roll. Yeah. Well, but the roller is rolling straight into the defense, and the guy who is... Uh, who is controlling the ball, is going straight into a, into the defense as well.
2: And I feel like it's kind of a tough situation, too, because you, you have Brasier Bolton, and he had, he, I think he was 4-for-4 four four the other night um, in that loss. But, I mean, he's kind of been hit and miss from three-point range, but I feel like he should technically be the second-best three-point shooter on the team after Halliburton. But at the same time, what I like about his game the most is when he's going attacking the rim, too. Yeah,
1: yeah, and that's where if if he can knock down shots like that, and you can have Tyrese and George working on their pick and roll, and then you can kick to Razier and he can knock down one or two, then all of a sudden you've got guys that are going to be uh, trying to close out hard, and then he can drive by them. Mm-hmm. And that's where you get Regier going downhill. But it takes that knocking down one or two, because you mentioned it, he's been inconsistent. I don't know what his st- statistics are on the year, but they're... I can't imagine his per- his percentage is that much better than Prentice's is with yeah.
2: uh, with just fewer attempts. I know both Bolton and Nixon shot better last year um, at their other schools.
1: Yeah, Prentice shot a lot better. Yeah, at Colorado. So State.
2: it's very interesting that you know technically they're probably both shooting less than they were last year, but they're shooting at a worse clip. It's like it's backwards. See, and that's where it goes back to like the freedom thing of like
1: taking poor shots. How many contested jumpers does Iowa State shoot? Too many. A lot. I mean they shoot a lot of contested shots. And and that's where it goes to back to the like the freedom thing and all those yeah. kinds of things. It's like you've got to be able to rotate the ball, you've got to be able to get the defense moving. And and if you can't, like, these guys are not Matt Thomas.
2: Yeah. You know, these guys are not Mariel Shayok. And the bad part is they're contested shots early in the shot clock. It's right. not like they, they pass the ball around for a good twenty seconds and then take a, a contested shot. Right, and that's that's what is so
1: frustrating to me and that's where it again it goes back to the conversation we had before it's like when when you see them come down and transition and they take a three-pointer that's contested and and it came after two passes Mm -hmm. and and you're like man you guys know you've got 30 seconds right yeah like (laughs) you you have time to work the ball and you can get that shot anytime Mm -hmm. you don't need to take that shot on the first opportunity that you get and that's where it just it, it again it comes back to the 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 discipline the uh, the commitment to playing the way that is going to complement your skill sets, and if they can do that, then this team could can max out, but if they don 't like they're they 're going to have a hard time yeah and and that 's i i like I said to start, you can put George in the starting lineup, I think he deserves it, I think he has earned that, but that doesn 't change anything. you still have a lot of things that you have to figure out mm-hmm. and could you be better on the defensive end when you've got your defensive anchor out there from the beginning of the game? Probably. I mean, I think you probably could, and maybe it'll be a, be a way that you can create some easier shots. I think the other thing is that uh, if you had if you have George out there, uh, maybe you bring Zion in, maybe you bring Trey Jackson in, and that's kind of your energy crew, mm-hmm. and they're the guys that uh, that that are creating some havoc on the defensive end. Um, Trey did force a couple steals uh, on Tuesday night. And and I think that he plays hard defensively, but I think but he has just not shown you much on the offensive end. Mm-hmm. And that and it's like the trade off, you know. But that's where it comes back to is it's like, okay, if we're gonna be this defensive team, then we can't go running up and down the court trying to play really, really fast all the time unless we're getting easy easy looks. Uh because we just don't have the guys to do that and because when you do that then it counteracts what the guys that are out there, what they do do well. Mm-hmm. Uh and and that's where
2: yeah so it, i hope that explains where, yeah.
1: where i'm at on that situation yeah
2: so like looking ahead to big 12 play like I, I think obviously making more shots is number 1 like yeah that would help a ton but the long term thing like kind of what we've been talking about is you have to just defend much better yeah. so like i don't know do you do you mix it up on defense a little bit do you try to do a little bit 2 3 do you do you throw in a full court press like they do on occasion what do you do i just think it comes
1: down to a commitment to garden, man, like
2: like effort kind of y- thing.
1: Yeah, and, and I'm not saying that they don't play hard. Yeah,
2: that it's a it's an intensity it, and it's, mentality. It's the
1: mentality. It's the intensity that you're gonna match or surpass your opponent's uh, intensity every single night. And even if you make a mistake, you're gonna make your mistake at a million miles an hour. And that's one thing that I see from these guys now. Sometimes is where they make a mistake, but they're unsure, and that's why they're making the mistake is because they're they're kind of tentative, yeah, and if you just like you make that mistake in a million miles an hour and then you recover at a million miles an hour, then more often than not it'll probably work out as long as you're being smart about it and uh like i just don't i don't see that I mean if you watch Kansas, if you watch West Virginia, if you watch Baylor, those three teams are i would say exponentially more talented than Iowa State mm. on the off i mean especially Kansas and Baylor, those two teams are very, very good. But they also guard a lot harder than you ever see Iowa State guard. Mm. And like I said, I'm not saying people don't play hard, but these teams are playing harder than what we've seen Iowa State play. Mm. And if they want to play the way they say they do, then it's going to take getting to that level. It's going to take, if you want to compete in the Big 12, I mean, I don't know how much you've watched Kansas, but the way we've seen Iowa State play this season, Kansas is going to wax the floor. Yeah, Because they guard hard. They are committed to playing hard on the defensive end. They are immensely talent, talented offensively and they, they have that mentality, that chip on their shoulder and a lot of it probably comes from the fact that they've got a bunch of veterans and they're, they've got a really good anchor defensively protecting the rim in, in, in Doak uh, and then uh, Devon Dotson is a very good defender on the ball. Uh, that team is, is going to be really good mm-hmm. and if you're going to have any chance of competing with them, you have to match what they bring to the table every single night on every single possession. West Virginia they're not as talented as those other two but they play so hard mm-hmm. and they just play at such a pace defensively with such an urgency that it evens the playing field a little bit Baylor they play with an urgency on defense and that urgency is is born from the fact that it's like you're offended if someone scores on you mm-hmm. and I just I haven't seen that urgency from Iowa State enough this season for them to want to play like that that's where it's like they're like stuck in between two things, but they're not fully committed to either one.
2: Yeah. So you've done your scout on TCU. You've written that article already. What are the things that you're looking for from TCU that they, that you think that they will do to be Iowa state or no, try think, to beat Iowa State?
1: Yeah. I mean, the first thing is that TCU plays primarily with four guys out on the perimeter. Desmond Bain is a, is Desmond Bain is technically a forward. He's six foot six, but he's a guy who can shoot the three. He went five of seven on Monday night against George Mason. Uh, you know there's been times this season he's far and away their best player Mm -hmm. there's been times this season where they have not really like looked to him to be their best player monday night against george mason they did and when they did he scored 30 points Mm -hmm. and that's what I'm, i'm thinking that they've kind of figured out it's like all right we've got to do things to create for this guy because he's our our best opportunity to to do good things on offense yep so that's going to be one of the big things is they're going to have four guys out there who are playmakers, who can knock down the three-point shot. Um, I think they're in the top 50 nationally in three-point shooting. Um, and and Bain is a huge piece of that. And they've, they've, they've got four guys who are going to come into this game with averaging three or more assists. So they're, they're right up there with Iowa State in the sense of assists on made field goals.
2: So which Iowa State player guards Bain, do you think?
1: That's the one that I don't know.
2: <laughs> That's a great question, isn't it? Yeah,
1: because it's like he – technically technically plays the 4 mm-hmm. but he plays out on the perimeter if you're going to start George they've got a big guy mm-hmm. so he's going to have he's probably going to get that assignment and I don't know even if you put him on Bane I don't know that you want your 6 foot 10 center guarding a 6 foot 6 forward mm-hmm. out of the three point line cuz that kind of negates the entire point of having a a 6 foot 10 guy out there yeah. and that's where it's like if you can get Zion Griffin who can be that guy that's best-case scenario. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We haven't seen that yet. So maybe you do that, but this is the kind of guy that Iowa State is just going to have a ton of trouble guarding this season. And, like, I don't know. I, that's what I'm kind of thinking is, like, if like Desmond Bain, if there's anybody in this game that I'm looking at that's like, that guy's just going to go off, mm-hmm. that's the dude. I mean, he, he could have a monster game in this thing. Even over I, Tyrese. Even over Tyrese, yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, just because of the way that Iowa State's roster is constructed. Mm-hmm. They don't have anybody that's proven to be able to stop a guy like that. Yeah. And I mean that's what made the what's his, what's the guy's name? Uh, from uh
2: Seton Hall. Yeah. Yeah, the big guy.
1: Yeah. That's why he that's why he killed Iowa State. Yeah. Was because they didn't have a guy that could get out there on the three point line with him and 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 stop him.
2: Yeah. And the and, versatile forwards are gonna give Iowa State problems the rest of the year.
1: Right. And that's that's just a fact. And then the other thing too is that they are one of the top teams in the country in offensive rebounding percentage. They are going to crash the boards hard. And you know why it is? Because they play really, really hard Mm. every single minute of every game. They play really hard. And they play with an intensity that Iowa State is going to have to match. Otherwise, they're going to be in trouble.
2: Yeah, that's a Jamie Dixon thing. That's a Jamie Dixon
1: thing. And that's what I'm saying. That's a staple of what Jamie Dixon does. And they're not going to do anything flashy offensively. It's going to be basic. They're going to run a lot of high pick and roll. But they're going to put some guys for Iowa State into some situations where they're, like, they're looking for mismatches. Mm-hmm. And they're going to get after you really defensively. But I'm telling you right now, like we're going to see. We're going to find out quick mm-hmm. what this team is going to be because they're going to have to answer the call. They're going to have to match that for or, or match what, uh, what TCU brings to the table because if they don't, it's going to be a long day. And then, and then the fact of the matter is too – it could be an even longer one Tuesday night with the team that you've got coming into Hilton Coliseum. Yeah,
2: real good Kansas team coming.
1: Right, and that's where the, I actually, as crazy as it sounds, they might match up with Kansas better than they match up with TCU mm-hmm. just because of the fact that they play the two bigs mostly. And that's where like you've got a little bit better just across the board. Mm-hmm. You know, Kansas is more talented than Iowa State. They always will be for the most part. Mm-hmm. I don't know that last year was an accurate representation of that, but, uh, like, if of teams at Iowa State, you look across the league, that's like, okay, Iowa State here, they can play this way and be okay. Mm. That's one of them, probably, where yeah. you can play the two bigs and be fine.
2: And outside of point guard, I think that Kansas game is really going to be a real test of, like, if Iowa State's ever going to bust out a great, like, effort game in Hill Coliseum, we're going to see it next week.
1: Right. And right now, I mean, they need to win this one on Saturday mm. because – I don't even want to know what that crowd <laughs> might be like on Tuesday night.
2: Yeah, it might not be as near what it should be for You know Kansas that game. people
1: will always be there because it's Kansas, but it'll be like a scared crowd, mm-hmm. I think. They're going to need to see something from, from them yep. before they really get to the point that...
2: Some energy they, plays early in the game or something. Crowds
1: usually are against Kansas, yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at is it's just like... I mean, it, with TCU, like I mentioned, the, the Desmond Bain thing, uh, the, the offensive rebounding... And then um, the one thing I will say is that they're actually worse at guarding the three-point line than Iowa State is. So maybe that'll, uh, maybe that gives Iowa State an opportunity. There's going to be open shots to be yeah. had in this game for both teams. Whoever knocks them down is going to be the one that I think wins. Which yeah. is is a really obvious thing to say as far as analysis. But mm-hmm. it's like when you look at the numbers, it's just that
2: that's how it is. Make the shots, man.
1: Right. Make the shots. All right. We're going to take a quick break. You want to talk to the football for a little bit? Sure. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back. Cyclone Fanatic radio program powered by Neckdine on the morning sports station, 1460 KXNO.
0: Hello, Fanatics. It's Chris Williams. I want to tell you today about the Forever True for Iowa State campaign, a historic initiative by the Iowa State University Foundation to raise donations that will help benefit every aspect of the university. Cyclones everywhere are helping reach the unprecedented 1.5 1.5 billion dollar goal. Yes, the cyclone spirit is a force to be reckoned with. More than 81,000 donors have given to the campaign thus far, including over 27,000 first time donors. So far, these donors have gifted more than 1.2 billion dollars. The cyclone energy is truly unstoppable. The campaign has achieved an amazing amount of success. Thanks to gifts of every size, the impact is seen all across campus, too, from the South End Zone Club to the North End Zone Construction to the thousands of students who receive scholarship support. You can learn more at forevertrueisu.com because the world needs more Cyclone Spirit. Hi, this is Dr. Thomas Greenwald, board-certified orthopedic sports medicine physician. For over 25 years, I've taken care of ISU athletes and am an official team physician of Iowa State Athletes. I'm a proud supporter of Cyclone Nation. As an orthopedic surgeon, I specialize in musculoskeletal care for athletes of all ages, from high school to collegiate athletes to adult weekend warriors trust McFarland Orthopedic Sports Medicine and my colleagues Dr. Buck and Dr. Warmi and I for extraordinary sports injury care and rehabilitation. Visit us on the web at Medicine.com. Go Cyclones! Hey Cyclone fans, it's Chris Williams. You've heard our friends from the Iowa pork producers they've been coming on here for the last couple of years I've been telling you guys about them I've had the great opportunity to meet so many of our state's great pork producers over the last couple of years and I've learned so much one thing specifically I didn't really know this before I guess I probably should have but these pigs are raised in environmentally controlled barns that helps farmers care for the pigs they protect the pigs from extreme temperatures predators You know, all that stuff. It is so high-tech, some of the stuff that our great pork producers are doing, and they're doing it all to feed our world. And, and, don't forget about this, so you can have some of that delicious Iowa pork at your tailgates coming up this fall. From everyone at Cyclone Fanatic, I'm Chris Williams saying thank you to our state's great pork producers. Hey fanatics, it's Chris Williams here, wanting to tell you about my friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart. Did you know they moved into that new location? It's located at 156 in Hickman, still in Clive. What does this mean for you? Well, there's a beautiful new showroom. It's got all of your appliances, your audio and video needs, flooring needs, top of the line appliances. I actually, my wife and I bought a couple of those LG washer and dryers from there. We love them. Flooring. They did our floor lowest price in town guaranteed they've doubled their warehouse capacity that means more in-stock items than ever come out and see the store in Clive meet with their highly trained and friendly sales staff whether you're updating your current home building a new one Nebraska Furniture Mart has what you're looking for head on out see my friends at Nebraska Furniture Mart and Clive you'll be very happy that you did. Hey guys, it's Chris Williams letting you know about Mechdyne IT Help Desk Services. Started by Iowa State graduates and diehard Cyclone fanatics over 22 years ago. MechDyne's onshore team of US based experts provide quality IT support around the clock. After hours, IT support can be hit and miss, but MechDyne offers a lot more than just answering service during your non core hours. You'll actually receive the same level of IT support no matter what time of day you contact them. They space out your organization's IT team from those routine support tasks so that you can focus on growing your business as a trusted consultant bringing fresh ideas and cost-effective solutions to many day-to-day headaches of routine it user support check out mechdyne.com that's m-e-c-h-d-y-n-e.com Hey guys, it's Williams here for the Iowa Clinic and the Iowa Clinic Men's Center. This is not just a standard like, oh, I'm going to endorse the Iowa Clinic. No, this is real. I've gone to the Iowa Clinic now for... Well, basically, since I moved up here, so we're pushing a decade now, Dr. Nicholson in Ankeny is my go-to guy, but I've also had other stuff, you know, specialists I have to go to, all that stuff, and you know why I need to go see the specialist? because I'm a man, and I go to the doctor because I want to be there for my two little girls, I want to be able to walk them down the aisle, I want to be there to hold their babies and be a grandpa someday, be a man, go to the doctor, iowaclinic.com. Tell them that Chris Williams and Cyclone Fanatic sent you their way. When it comes time for my friends
1: and I to decide where we'll watch college football on a Saturday night, there is no better choice than Whiskey River in Ankeny. Whiskey River is the home of the Cyclone Fanatic radio show again for the 2018 season and is the perfect spot for your get-together of all ages. Whiskey River's great food, satisfying drinks, friendly staff, and wall-to-wall TVs make deciding where to go a no-brainer for any situation. And don't forget, you can always join the Cyclone Fanatic staff on Thursday nights from 6 to 7 at Whiskey River in Ankeny. Welcome back to the... Cyclone Fanatic radio show powered by Mechdyne on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Football happened, too. Football did happen, too. Just want to remind everybody, if they're looking for a new or pre-owned vehicle, you can stop on down to Carl Chevrolet at Exit 90 at the Rock in Ankeny. Carl Chevrolet Stewart, carlchevrolet.com, carlchevroletstewart.com. It's the new year. Started out with a, a new vehicle.
2: So a disappointing bowl effort from the Cyclones uh, down in Orlando. Disappointing might be, might even be putting it lightly. Honestly, not a good game. Um, however, I, I watched on TV. I wasn't down there. It uh, would have been would have been fun, even though they lost. Um, but well, from what I saw on TV, it just looked like Notre Dame had a better team. Yeah, their talent level across the board I felt like was just better than Iowa State. And I mean, Campbell's done a great job of raising the floor, like talent level of this team. But they still didn't match up that well against Notre Dame. See, that's the thing is, it's like when Iowa State has a bad day they could still get waxed by a really good team. Yeah. You know,
1: and, and that's what happened in that game. And, I mean, I think it would have gone a lot differently if, you know, you don't turn the ball over on your first two possessions, but that's, mm-hmm. like, an easy way to uh, – that's kind of a cop-out. Like, they did turn the ball over, yeah. you know. But, I mean, I, I don't know that on most days Notre Dame is. 24 points better than Iowa State. I'm not saying Iowa State is as good as Notre Dame, but it's mm-hmm. like
2: I don't think that they get beat that bad. No. If Iowa State plays a clean game, I think it's a one possession game. I'm not sure if they win still, but I think it's much closer than it was.
1: Yeah, cuz that was just it was like everything that could go wrong did went wrong, mm-hmm. where you get Brock kind of making some dumb mistakes and you know, you get into a situation where you you go fast on the one time when you're getting inside the 5-yard line and uh and it ends up making it, you know, first and 8 mm-hmm. or whatever it was instead of being like first and 3. Mm-hmm. And that's that's just where it it was little mistakes that I I don't feel like we've really seen from Iowa State all in one game. Like we've seen them at different times and yeah. across multiple games, but it was like everything that went wrong with the season. All came to a head in one game. Yeah. And Notre Dame was a a good enough team to really be able to capitalize on that and and beat up on Iowa State.
2: Exactly. And it's too bad because a a lot of, naturally, a lot of fans overreacted. And I saw a lot of people, you know, calling to fire one or both of the offensive coordinators, or one or both both of the coordinators, um, which is kind of embarrassing, to be honest. But I think going forward, again, like it it comes down to what Campbell preaches. You got to focus on the details and win in the margins.
1: Yeah. And I think that there are obvious things that they we'll reflect on you know going into uh into next year i mean uh, jeff and i talked about this on football and random things on monday just where you know you got to continue to evolve the de- the defense i think like there's there's clearly some level of offenses have caught up to the three three five a little bit and and i think that that's partially because a lot of teams run it now yeah and like it's been three years yeah you know i mean this always happens football is very cyclical Where unless you continue to evolve, you know, you're going to get beat. And um, Iowa State's going to have to do that now where they've got to continue to to keep moving forward in what they do with that defense. And, you know, you, you bring plenty of talent back. And you've got a lot of guys that are coming up in the program that I think they feel good about what they can do. And, I mean, that was the first time that I ever walked away from it like, man, there was not much to be taken away from this, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like they just got they just got their butts kicked by a really good team. Yep, and that was the first time in quite a while that I walked away from it just like there's nothing that we can take positive away from this game. I, I guess, I guess you could say the Kansas State game,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: again, I think that that Kansas State game had some other factors that were in play. That's like you, you know, there were different things. Yeah, and it was like that that game, and then. The fourth quarter of that game and then this Notre Dame game, it's like, man, I don't know. They got their butts kicked. That's mm-hmm. about all there is to say.
2: So looking ahead to next year, obviously a couple big losses on defense, especially that interior defensive line. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of really talented young players coming back too. So I feel like looking ahead to next year, even though you ended this year on a bad note, I think you still got to be remain optimistic. Optimistic, excuse Oh, me. yeah,
1: for sure. I mean, I think you, any time you bring back an all-conference quarterback uh, when you've got an All-American tight end returning, which – I know Charlie said earlier this week that he, he will for sure be coming back to Iowa State. Uh, when you've got a group of receivers, you know, you lose to Michael Pettway, you lose to Shante Jones, but you've got Sean Shaw who will be stepping into a bigger role.
2: Tariq, Tariq, Tariq
1: is coming back. Yep. You've got the other two tight ends and Dylan Saner and Chase Allen both coming back. You've got a, a running back who burst onto the scene in the second half of the season mm-hmm. uh, to prove to be a beast. I mean, there's a lot of things that I think you can take – like, go into next year, and it's like, man, Iowa State, realistically, Iowa State's probably a top-25 team again going into next year. Yeah. Just when you look at those pieces on paper, you've got a lot of things that you got to figure out with the offensive line where you have to replace, not from the bowl game, but from the whole season, four of your five starters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then – but you do have Colin Newell, who has started double-digit games in the Big 12. Trevor Downing has started, if not double-digit, close to double-digit games in the Big, in, in big 12 play now. Uh, and then you've got some guys who I know who were highly recruited: Joey Ramos, yeah, uh, Grant Triver, Robert Hudson, dudes who are not by any means bottom of the barrel offensive line recruits that will be stepping into this situation. And uh, they need to continue to evolve, and they need to continue to uh, you know work on growing that group. But there's a lot to feel good about. And then defensively, you bring back m- almost all of your contributing edge defensive.
2: Players. Yep, you get Jaquan, Jaquan Bailey back. You as get well.
1: Jaquan Bailey back. You bring back Zach Peterson. You bring back Will McDonald. Uh, you, you know you bring back Mike Rose and Orion Vance. You lose Marcel, who had a great career. Um, but then you bring back both cornerbacks. You've got Greg Eisworth, Le- Lawrence White. Mm-hmm. There's only really two spots, three spots on that defense on the defensive side that you've got to seriously replace mm-hmm. someone and. I think they've got a guy in DJ Miller that they feel confident in what he brings to the table. You've got Jake Hummel, who has shown a lot, what he can do at this at the, the, at the this level. I think that he's earned, going into the spring, the opportunity to compete for a starting job hmm. and potentially fill the, the hole left by Marcel Spears. And then you bring in a guy in Latrell Bankston, who I think is can be a difference maker. Plus, you've got Isaiah Lee. Uh, who's been in the program, and you've got Tucker Robertson, who
2: played a lot, too. Yeah. So and correct me if I'm wrong, but hasn't Campbell been on record saying this true freshman class this year has been one of the best that they've ever had, too?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think so. And I, I know that he says that that group of offensive lineman is the best he's ever been around. Mm-hmm. So
2: so especially that offensive line, I feel like they are they might be a little shaky as they gel early in the year next year, but they could be better than this year's offensive line near the end.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think maybe as a cohesive unit, like maybe none of them will be – at 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 that time, like a better player. Mm-hmm. Like Julian Good Jones had played a lot of football. Yeah. You know, Josh Kniffle had played a lot of football at Iowa State. For as much crap as Bryce Meeker took at times,
2: Very experienced. he played
1: a lot for Iowa State. So these guys are gonna take some lumps, you mm-hmm. know. Like they're gonna take some lumps going against some some teams early on in the season that are gonna try and take advantage of the fact that they've got a young offensive line. Mm-hmm. But I also think too, when you look down the road that group is going to get an opportunity to play together for a long time too, mm-hmm. and hopefully that can end up making a difference. I mean, I, I think back to when Coach Campbell brought his Toledo team here, and the previous season they had graduated five offensive linemen, and then they filled the filled that void with five senior offensive linemen who mm-hmm. had been playing together their entire college careers. Yeah, That's the goal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not very realistic in college football in 2020 because of the fact that people transfer and things like that. But like that's what they're trying to work to and this is a next step in that process where now you're gonna bring in this next group of guys who have been together and hopefully they can grow together and, and gel together and it's not like where each season you go into it and you're like, Man, we gotta figure out how we're gonna fill that hole
2: because I don't know about that guy. Yeah. So you know, again again, looking ahead, I know this it's a ways out, but you know, if you had to say what fans expect for next year, what do you think that is?
1: Oh, man. I know
2: know you've only got like two minutes left. No,
1: it's all good. No, you're good. Well, I mean, what do you expect?
2: I mean, I expect that they get to eight regular season wins. I feel like the fan base, I mean, we've seen them get to seven and eight the last few years. Um, So I feel like that needs to be a goal. I feel like they should beat Iowa one of these years. I don't know if it's next year. Hopefully it is. Um, And then obviously win a bowl game, too.
1: Yeah, I think that eight should be, I feel like this is the year that eight should be like the floor. Yeah. Like, I know it was prove it this year and all this stuff, and they're like, man, Iowa State got from being really bad to being pretty good really fast. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of take, I think you can cut some slack a little bit. Okay, you had one year where it felt like it was a step back. And even then, there were things that were positive that let you go into the next year. It's not like you don't have anything, you Mm -hmm. know, like it's not like the sky is falling now man, we lost all these great players, and now we're going to stink. Mm-hmm. No, it's not like that. So I think that uh, there's a lot of stuff that you can build on. There's a lot of stuff you can do like moving forward, and it should still be a good good year going into I'm it. I'm with you there. All right. Thanks, man, for for coming in. Mm-hmm. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you guys again soon. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this week's Cyclone Fanatic Radio program presented by uh, Carl Chevrolet and Mechdyne here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.